isn't it great to be in the Lord's house today? Man, it's a beautiful day, a gorgeous day that the Lord has blessed us with and beginning to see the, the beginnings of spring around us, aren't we? Uh, hopefully uh, spring's going to... Actually, let me remind you, next Sunday morning, ooh, we all hate that time of year, don't we? We have to spring forward an hour. So be, be reminded next Sunday morning, uh, don't show up. Well, I guess you'll show up early, won't you? If you um, but anyway, we're glad that you're here. If you're a visitor with us today, or if you're a visitor with us online today, we would love for you to uh, text the word WELCOME to 704-459-5575. If you would text that, and you'll get a response back. And we just want to know who you are. Uh, we want to get to know you. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to minister to you in some way in the days to come and, and help you any way that we can as a church body. But we're glad that you're here and glad that you've chosen to be a part of God's house and house of worship this morning. Just a, a couple of announcements. Uh, first thing, if you're on Facebook, guys, we're, we're going to have an interactive time on, on your cell phone. So everybody pull your cell phone out whether you're on Facebook or not. Okay, you're having permission to do this. <laughs> so if you're on Facebook, pull up New Hope uh, NHBC Earl and pull up our, our service today and share that on your timeline. Invite somebody else to come and join you at, at church today. And then the other thing we want to talk about, keep your phones out, we're going to use them again in just a minute. Is our, is our Easter, is our Hope 21 digital Easter mission trip. Uh, we polled everybody last week and, and got an idea of who has been on a mission trip and who would like to go on another mission trip. And uh, we're not going to Honduras this time or Nicaragua or the coast or uh, Mississippi or wherever it might be. This is going to be a mission trip to Earl. Okay, and we're going to bring hope to you, and we're going to bring hope through you to our community. And so, again, this is going to be a digital mission trip. You're going to receive uh, prompts via email and text messaging for the next 21 days. Um, we're going to kick this off today and next Sunday. Okay, we're a little bit of a, a little bit ahead of time. On, uh, on this week, but I want you to go ahead and get plugged in and get started uh, because there'll be some that will show up next week that weren't here today. Um, and so we're going to begin today. So here's the challenge. Join me on a mission trip, okay? How many of you here can pray? Okay, everybody can pray. Thank you for, for volunteering to be a part of this mission trip, okay? We're going to reach people. We're going to pray for people. We're we mentioned last week about identifying somebody that you can pray for. Okay, that'll be part of the mission trip. Maybe reaching out to them in some way. Offering an encouraging word to somebody in your community. Okay, and, and, and they're going to be daily devotionals. They're going to be things for you to pray through and read through and study God's word through. So that's going to be our hope to us every day. And then we're going to have different challenges some will be more challenging than others but everybody in here can do it everybody watching online can do it i promise 
So if you will, if you're wanting to, to, to venture out and take this mission trip, go on this mission trip with me, uh, hold your phone out. Open your phone up. Hold it up. Let's see everybody's phone. Okay. Open your phone up to the text messaging part. Open up a new text message. And I want you to, for the number, I want you to type in the number 704-459-5575. Okay? And in the text message, I want you to type HOPE21. One word. And SEND. You have just joined our mission trip, okay? So you should, you'll be getting a response back. Uh, don't be reading that right now. Uh, but you'll be getting a response back shortly, almost immediately. And every day, beginning tomorrow, if you did this today, beginning tomorrow, uh, we're going to start with a devotional time for you first. Um, tomorrow will be just a devotion, okay? And then we'll begin different uh, activities throughout the week for the next 21 days. So welcome aboard our mission trip. We're glad that you're a part of it. And, uh, you know, one of the things we always do on, on other mission, on physical mission trips is we spend every day praying. And we spend every day, at the end of the day, reflecting on what happened. So be mindful of that. Every day think of how God might be using you, bringing hope to you, or bringing hope through you to someone else. Alrighty, so welcome aboard to our mission trip, Hope 21, our Easter mission trip for Easter 2021. Let's, uh, as we continue on in worship, let's begin and, and, and pray together this morning. Almighty God, we do thank you for the glorious day that you've blessed us with. Uh, just a, a, a little bit of a chill in the air, but God, how it warms up during the day, just being reminded of the warmth of your love. And God, we thank you today, being a God who loves us, who cares for us, who wants the very best for us, who walks with us, who journeys with us, who enables us, who encourages us, who empowers us. But Father, even in the midst of all that, we still fall short. God, today we just want to begin our time of worship. God, cleansing our hearts, our souls, and our minds. God, that we would be focused upon you. For your goodness, for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy. Realizing that that flows from the throne of God into our hearts. And it's because of that that we've come to worship you today. It is indeed a privilege to come before you in prayer. And so God, we thank you for that. And today, God, we pray that, that our worship in everything that we do is pleasing to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you all for... Uh, my phone's been beeping off the, off the hanger this morning because uh, all of you joining up on our mission trips are looking forward to, to going through that with you. Um, it's going to be a, a great experience for you, for your community, and for the church. Most of all, for the glory of God. Amen. 
We can use this, Hope 21, to bring hope to the dead and dying world around us. We've been looking in recent weeks about uh, just the, the crazy stuff that's going on in and around our world. We've, we talked about the mark of the beast, our influence as Christians, our influence in the world, trusting in worldly things, and then how God promises to eternal punish those who oppose Him, who oppose the gospel of Jesus, and, and who persecute Christians. And every day we're seeing that more and more becoming a, a truth in our land, in our world, in our society. Um, but be reminded that nothing happens, nothing takes place outside of God's will and God's timing. Think about it, nothing in all of history, nothing in all of history has ever happened without the knowledge of God. And you think about all the wonderful things, and then you think about all the tragic things, all the horrific things. Yes, God permitted that to happen, allowed that to come our way. Everything that takes place is preordained by God. No matter how small or, or how great the event is in your life or in the world, God knows. And God orchestrated it. Amen? In Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, In their hearts, humans, plans, or humans plan their course. In their hearts, humans plan their course. We're good at that. We're good at making our, our daily agenda and our daily to-do list, aren't we? But what's the rest of that verse say? But, God, but the Lord establishes their steps. You see, ultimately God is the one that controls what happens, what comes our way every day. And, and how we deal with life uh, reflects our relationship with Christ. And one of the most comforting verses in in, in, in Scripture is a, a statement in the Bible in Psalm 31, verse 5, and, or verse 15. And we're going to be in that passage today in Psalm 31. And, and it says, My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands, Lord. And we're going to unpack that whole chapter, chapter 31, and see what David's talking about when he understands that his life is in the hands of God. And he surrenders to that idea and to that thought. Have you ever heard someone say to another person that, that, that just escaped a horrendous accident? Uh, maybe it was the 9-11 the where you've heard stories where people called in uh, sick to work that day and avoid, avoided the airplane plane crash. Or maybe you avoided another accident and you hear people say, well, I guess it wasn't your time. We've all probably said that before to somebody or about ourselves, have we not? You barely miss a, a car accident. <laughs> wow, I guess it wasn't my time. Or maybe an elderly person has, has been really sick and ill for a long time and, and one friend says to another at the funeral home, well, I guess it was his time. We've heard that before. We've said that before. 
probably, haven't we? But when a baby dies or a teenager is killed in an in a auto accident or a young mother perishes from cancer, a lot of times many people, and, and Christians included, are, are not so sure about God's timing, about why that person had to die so young. And it's almost like we base our belief on God and His timing according to what we think is right or what seems right to us. But see, we can't begin to understand God. We can't begin to understand the causes and the reactions and the things that happen in this world. But God has an ultimate plan. God knew from the very beginning about that auto accident. He knew from the very beginning about that sickness. He knew from the very beginning about that tragedy. He knew from the beginning that storm was coming. But then if the person, if they live on into their 90s, and we have no trouble believing that, that and saying that, Oh, God's called him or her home. And the time was right. But if the person is young and the, and the passage of life, life has been painful or, or violent, we begin to, to question God. We begin to ask God why. We, we even begin to get mad at God, don't we? And, and even sometimes when that person is old, and they pass, we still begin to question why. But, but why now, God? Why not just a couple of more years? Or maybe you begin to lash out at God. Again, saying, why, God? Maybe that's been you. We've all probably been there, haven't we? At one time or another, in one situation or another, we've probably all questioned God about why. Or yes, even been angry. The Bible states over and over again that, that God in His sovereignty and, and in all of His power is in charge of time. And is in charge of all life. He is the giver and sustainer of life. We think about the, 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 the Old Testament, the, the thousands of years represented in the entire Old Testament is preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. Everything in there is pointing, every event is pointing to Christ's coming. Every story is tied to the coming Messiah. Prophecy after prophecy is told of the Savior's coming. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says God's timing is, is perfect, that, that there's a time for everything. A time to live, a time to die, a time to be happy, a time to, to be sad. There's a time for everything, but in the end it says that God makes it all beautiful in its time. And we can't understand, can we, why things happen the way they do and when they do and to the people that it does. 
But we have to trust as believers that God knows best and that He is in control. He is a sovereign God that is, that is orchestrating everything as only God can do. In fact, Jesus reminds His disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, that we're to trust in God's timing, not in our own. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. We don't control God. We don't tell God when. We don't ask God why. God's plan is His and it will be played out according to His will and His plan. And it's not up to us to know the, the dates and the times of when and where such and such is going to happen. We find in, in Psalm 31, turn with me if you will to Psalm 31 if you haven't already. And we find David, we see throughout the Psalms, David facing issues in life. We, we see him facing different scenarios in life. And, and once again, we've, we find him facing a difficult situation, difficult problems. He's, he's dealing with, with real life issues and experiencing feelings that we've all probably faced at one time or another. By looking at David's life, we can, we can look and see how he dealt with a situation. We can look and see how, how he dealt with the attacks of other people. And see how he responded to them. And, and we can take his experience and learn from him and apply them to our life. We ask, we ask God the question, why? Why did this happen? And, and maybe you had to experience something so you could be a minister to someone else. That will one day go through what you've been through. So that you can pull them aside and say, hey, let me... Let me tell you how I experienced it. Let me share with you how I walked through this. Let me share with you how God enabled me to get through this in my life. We see in, in this passage where David is, is dealing with all the, the burdens and the anxieties of life and he, in the end he goes from both before he's dealing with these issues to after. And, and, and we look at what God has done in his life and how he, he gives over to God and, and he proclaims the sufficiency of God. And first of all, we, we notice that, that David understands his situation. He looks around and, and, and sees what's going on around him. And we're going to notice in verses 1 through 5 how he, how he turns to God in these times of difficulty, in these these times of trouble, he, he submits back to God. We're also going to see that, that he begs for God. That he begs for God's attention, that he begs for God's presence and, uh, and, and begs for God to help him in, in, in the situation that he's in and then submits himself to God's ways and what God wants. We see in verses 1 through 5, <clears throat> he gives testimony, as I said, about his security and, and salvation. And he says in verses 1 through 5, he says, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. 
Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock and my refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Does that verse 5 sound familiar to you as we approach the Easter season? It's a foreshadowing of, of the crucifixion. We find Jesus quoting this passage uh, from the cross in Luke 23, verse 46. And so they're, they're both trusting in, in God's power and in God's sovereignty. Lord, I submit to you. Lord, I submit my, my soul back to you. I submit my spirit to you. And so he conveys his, he surveys his surrounding and he looks to see what's going on. He acknowledges God as his Savior, as his refuge, as his fortress, and then he surrenders his life back over to Christ. You know, sometimes life doesn't make sense, does it? Maybe it's the, the pressures or uncertainties of life. Maybe it is that tragic experience that, that you went through. And it's in those times that we can, we can act rashly, we can act quickly or, or, or irrational or sometimes out of our own desires, what we want out of it, out of our own power. But Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 reminds us not to do that. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord in every situation, in everything, with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And I have to admit, sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Because sometimes we want to do it. We want to do it now. We want to do it our way and my way, don't we, sometimes? But here this passage is saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't trust your own understanding, your own knowledge, your own wisdom. He says, if you do that, in all your ways, submit to Him. He says, and He will make your path straight. Submit to the Lord. And that's what David is doing here as he writes. And he calls, uh, he calls on the Lord and he listens to Him and he submits to His Lordship. And in verse 6 through 8, we've, we see where he gives testimony about discernment and deliverance. It says in verse 6 through 8, <clears throat> I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love for you saw my affliction and knew my anguish and my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemies but have set my feet on a, on a spacious place. Folks, God understands our pain. God understands what you're going through. God understood what you went through. God will understand what's coming your way in the future. But He knows you. He, he created every aspect of your being. He put your personality together. He knows what you're going to need when you face those, those awkward times or you face those times of of tragedy in, in, in your own life. 
He goes on in verses 9 through 18 and he talks about uh, the reproach and the the relief that he finds in submitting to, to the Lord and giving his ways over to the direction of God. And David is saying, God, I'm in a mess. And it's all my fault. And God, I've made a mess of this situation. How many of you have ever been there and done that before? Man, had to admit to yourself and ultimately admit to God, I, I dropped the ball here, God. We all have probably been in that boat, haven't we? Now, this passage here is a glimpse of the before and after look of David's life. And, and we see how he, uh, again, goes from weakness into strength, discouragement into encouraging others. Again, it's a, it's a before and after look. How many of you have ever uh, done so, some, some type of home makeover before? Maybe it, was a, maybe it was a whole house. Maybe it was just a bedroom or a living room. I know just about everybody in here has done that before. Maybe it was a paint job or new draperies or whatever it might have been. Did you take photos before and after? Probably so. Because you wanted to see, I mean, it gives you a great sense of accomplishment, doesn't it? Most all of you know we, we redid Carly's house from, from top to bottom. And, and, and we were talking a couple of weeks ago. I think most said, Russ, do you remember how bad that house was? <laughs> oh, my goodness, it was bad. But we took pictures to remember what it was like before and then to look, like, look and see what it would look like afterwards. But it gives you that sense of accomplishment and, and you see how far that project has come and, and the changes that took place and how much better it looks. Most of you know my daughter Claire is a, is a personal trainer and, and she was showing me some before and after photos not me, not of me, of course, because I'm still in the before stage. <laughs> but it was a, it was photos of one of her clients, and and how much better they looked after working with her for just a couple of months. And 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 the the client looked at it and was amazed because we all know if you see something the same day, it doesn't change a lot. But you go back and look at something two months ago, or or or, or maybe. Go back and look at your old high school picture and look at the before and after. <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes not all before and after photos go from bad to good. What about the photos of a, of a shoreline before a hurricane versus one right after a hurricane? Or the devastation after a a tornado rips through or a forest fire burns through? Or what about the image of an addict before they became an addict and after an addict? In your life, what would would you count as a before and after experience? That's something that might have that might have transformed your life in, in some way. You know, we wish all of our experiences could be those, those happy ones, those good ones, don't we? But we, we, we wish they would all be those happily ever after moments. But that's not always the case, is it? 
The truth is, if we live long enough, some of those before and after experiences don't work out so happily, do they? For whatever reason. In fact, sometimes along the way, we may experience some loss or suffering or or evil of some sort of failure that's so devastating that it fundamentally changes how we live life. In Psalm 31, verses 9 through 18, we see David's heart after trusting God. He says in verse 9, He says, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. And you know, maybe it wasn't something physical that happened to you. Maybe it was something emotional that happened because the reality is those emotional pains can be just as devastating as the non-physical experiences, can't they? They can be as damaging and, and, and hurtful as those physical events. He continues in verse 10, he says, My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak because all of my enemies, I am in utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by those, by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear the slander of many. There's terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. He is in a deep, dark place right here. He, he, everyone is against him. He's, he's rejected. There's no sense of hope there. All hope is gone. There's, there's hopelessness is, is, feeling, is filling his soul. But even though his life, seemed, his life seemed miserable to him, look what he does in verse 14. He says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I trust in you, O Lord. Maybe today you're experiencing that hopelessness. Maybe today you're, you're experiencing that despair. The feeling that everybody's against you. Feeling like your friends have betrayed you and left you. Look what David does. He says, in spite of all that, I trust in you, O Lord. I trust in you. He's going on, he says, I say, you are my God. I trust in you, O Lord. And I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. My times, my life is in your hands, Lord. Whatever may be, whatever may come, let it be according to your will. My time is in your hands. He continues on, Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame. You see that let not be put to shame? 
He he repeats that from verse 1. So he began that, pleading with God, don't let me put to shame. And here he's finishing up. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord. For I have cried out to you. I've opened my heart up to you. And God, I've surrendered everything to you. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord. For I have cried out to you, but let the wicked be put to shame and, the, and, and lie silent in the grave. In verse 18, let their lying lips be silent. For with pride and contempt, they speak arrogantly against the righteous. You see, David didn't try to fight his own battles here. He saw his friends, he saw his enemies coming against him, but but he didn't try to fight his own battles. He asked God to to take up the, 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 the war for him, to take up the battle for him. And he asked God specifically, God, deal with my enemies. Deal with those that are coming against me. Because I trusted you. I trusted your sovereignty and your goodness and your grace and in your power. He said, I'm trusting in you. And so rather than taking vengeance on his own, he defers that to God and lets God take care of them. And so think about this. Israel's, Israel's greatest king, a man after God's own heart, experienced these hardships. The greatest king that Israel ever had was experiencing this depression and this loneliness and this weakness and this fear and this anxiety and the anxiousness and the uncertainty. Have you been there? Sometimes when we look at the world and what's going on, it seems to overpower us, doesn't it? Sometimes it seems like there is no hope. But praise God, we put our hope in Jesus Christ, don't we? And not in the world or the things of the world. We put our hope in Jesus Christ. So do you understand maybe how, how David was feeling here, what his, what his state of mind might have been? And so this passage is, it, it provides us with a, the after picture of a life in ruins. Regardless of what, he says, regardless of what comes my way, my times are in your hands. My life is given over to you. In other words, he accepts God God into his life and he surrenders to him and accepts God's control upon his life. That doesn't mean smooth sailing for, for David, neither does it mean smooth sailing for us as believers, as Christians. In fact, Jesus says, you will be persecuted as a believer. Oh, but the rewards. The rewards will be great in eternity. Amen? And so he tells us to be faithful to the end. Trust in Him to the very end. We find David once again facing these problems and dealing with with real life issues. These feelings that we all face or have faced. Maybe you're Maybe you're dealing or struggling with them right now. And again, we can see how, how he deals with life and how he learns from it and, and how we can learn from him. You see, he, he, he passionately celebrates the sufficiency 
of God. And so regardless of whatever is going on around us, regardless of, of the life events that we're experiencing, regardless of, of what might happen in our culture or in our society, regardless of how godless this world may seem, regardless of the difficulties that we might be experiencing in our own life right now, God is still in control. Amen? God is still all-powerful. God is still all-knowing and all-present. He's a sovereign God that is still in control, and we give Him our life. Amen? And say, here are, here are our times, Lord. Have them and do with them as You please. And you think about the the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament. And Jesus was born at just the right time. Jesus was born at the appointed time. Think of how everything played out for the time of Jerusalem and the, the census and, and then uh, Mary and Joseph making their journey. All of that was happening because it was preordained for God to Jesus to be born on that day in that country at that time. It was a time known in the, in the, in the area as Pax Romana. It meant there was peace in Rome. And, and so in the Roman Empire, and so everybody could travel easily. The, the, the roads were good. Uh, the, the economy was good. But not only was he born at the right time, he was also crucified at the appointed time, at the right time. You know, Jesus says several times, it's not my hour yet. It's my, not my time to be, to be appointed yet. It's not my time of recognition for people to know that I am the Savior. And then he, uh, in the Gospels, he sets his eyes, he sets his focus on Jerusalem, and he makes his way into Jerusalem for that Passion Week because he knows that is the time. He knows that his crucifixion has come or is on the, on the horizon. After his crucifixion, that Pax Romana was still in place. There was still peace in Rome. And so it, it made the, the, the spread of the Christian message easy, or, or more, more easily done, easily spread than it would otherwise have been. And so it was at that appointed time, everything was taking place according to God's time. Think about the events on Easter morning. Everything took place. At the appointed time. And so the Old Testament points to the New Testament. The New Testament points to Jesus' soon return. And nobody knows when that will be. Nobody knows when Jesus will return except for who? Except me and you? Except preachers? Except for angels? Except for Jesus? No. Who will know? God. God the Father will determine when Jesus will return. And so everything that we are going through in our life, think about it, God has orchestrated. All of those near misses, all of those lucky times that we had that we escaped harm or injury or, or death itself. We say it just wasn't your time. No, it just wasn't God's time for you. Our time is in His hands. You see, whatever happens in our life, God is trying to use that to point us to Jesus. 
to draw us closer to Him so that we can experience Him in a, in a more intimate way wherever we are in our journey with Christ. He is trying to draw us closer and closer every day because He wants a more intimate relationship. And then finally, David leads us. He leaves us with a word of, of wisdom and a challenge for us. He said, God, you, you've heard me and I, I trust in you because you are good. And from that, David challenges you and I to do one thing, to love the Lord. To love the Lord. He says in verse 23 and 24, he says, love the Lord, all His faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to Him, but the proud He pays back in full. Remember last week in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we talked about how God will uh, destroy anybody that opposes the gospel and those that persecute Christians. Here again He says, the Lord preserves those who are true to Him, but the proud He pays back in full. In verse 24, here's a word for you today. Be strong. Be strong and take heart. All of you who hope in the Lord, be strong. Be strong in the Lord. You see, our calling is to be faithful to God. To love Him because He first loved us. But to love Him because of what He's done. And the promises that He's made, He's, he's promised to always walk with us. He's promised to, to never leave us or forsake us. He's, he's promised to, to, to not leave us stranded and alone. He's promised to give us strength and comfort. And He's promised to give us eternal life if we trust in Him, if we confess that sinfulness in our life. Man, I know I'm, I'm, I'm filled with selfishness and pride and arrogance and, and evil and wickedness, and everything that you can imagine, this heart's full of. And so is yours. The Bible tells us that, that no one is good. We are evil in the core of our hearts. And so we need a Savior who will save us, who will forgive us of our sins. And that Savior is Jesus Christ who, who came and lived a perfect life Oh, the one that we try most of the time to live by, to live like, but we can't. If we can't, we don't. And so Jesus came and lived that perfect life, but He was crucified on that cross that I mentioned a moment ago. His blood flowed from His body, covering the cross and the ground. And He did that so our sin could be forgiven. Because we were the ones that were supposed to have been on that cross. We were the ones that were supposed to have been strung up and, and, and flesh beaten from our bodies for. But Jesus took that for us so that we could have eternal life. And they put Him in the ground. Three days later, God raised Him from the dead. And God promises that because He was resurrected, we too, amen, we too can be resurrected when the Lord comes. 
Folks, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're an enemy of God, which brings eternal destruction to you and your soul. But if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, oh, what a wonderful eternal life that will be. In the presence of Almighty God, in complete goodness, in complete peace, in complete holiness, face to face with God, worshiping Him, our Savior and our Lord. If you've never accepted Him as your Lord, as we say, we don't know what tomorrow holds. If I'll be here or you'll be here. The Bible says that today is the day of your salvation. Don't let today pass without confessing your sins and accepting Him as your Lord. David writes, be strong and take heart. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. question for us today, will we submit to God? Will we submit to God and be faithful? Or will we continue on doing the things we do for ourselves? You see, nowhere, no matter where we are in our journey, Jesus, our prayer needs to be, Lord Jesus, draw us close to you. Help us, God, to know you more so that we can make you known in the world that so desperately needs us. We begin our service this morning. We ask at the end of our time today, if you can honestly sing our hymn of invitation, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. That question is now upon you. Can you sing that? Have Thine Own Way. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do thank you for your word, for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy. We thank you, God, that we can learn from other people and see David's example of going through all that he went through and what his response was to the life circumstances that he was facing. Father, today there's somebody today that's listening or watching watching. Lord, they're facing some of these same issues. David will tell him he submitted to your Lordship. And he's challenging us to be strong in the Lord. And so, Father, today we humbly pray in seeking your guidance and your leadership and your Lordship in our hearts and in our lives. Praying and crying out to you Lord, have your way in my life. Father, hear our prayers.